welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Okay. Right, well, we're going to go back to something that I was talking about yesterday to begin with. Um, do you remember that there were the four coping strategies that I talked about, the four areas, really, um, where we find the lies are often concentrated the first strategy was performance yeah and the what we believe when we um, when we're in this performance call it a trap really it's like a you know it's like almost like a prison really because all of these is I must do something I must do well, right? I must do well in order to um, feel good about myself, okay? Which is what Timon said yesterday. Um, And behind each of these areas, if you like, is a fear, right? There's a fear. So we're driven really by fear um, in each of these areas, which is not a nice thing to be driven by, obviously. And the fear in performance Now, you don't have to answer this question, but have you got any ideas what it might be? If you don't perform well, you're fearing that you might what? Okay, well it's we would call it fear of failure, okay? Fear of failure. The next um, box, if you like, and the, probably most of us end up in these boxes here, these two, was the approval trap, if you like. And in the approval trap, with right, our belief is I must be liked. Okay? It, so if I'm going to feel good about myself, I must be liked. I've got to have people like me. And the, so the fear there is fear of rejection. Now, if we're in an environment where there's quite a strict, you know, we were talking yesterday, wasn't I, about some parents, um, some parental styles are quite strict and, you know, very rigid boundaries and so on. Now, if we're in that kind of environment or even a school, you know, I know, for instance, in in Britain, um, there are, in the past, not so much now, in fact, not really now at all, but in the past, um, the Catholic schools used to be very good educationally, but very strict in terms of expectations of the pupils and punishments and so on. And so it could be at home or it could be at school. But if you're in that sort of environment where, um, you know, if you don't perform well, (laughs) the axe falls, then... You are living in a blame culture there. And here, this, the, the underlying 
sort of belief is I'm guilty. You know, if someone tells you often enough, um, you know, you're not getting it right, so I'm going to punish you, then you end up believing them, yeah? You end up believing them. I'm guilty. I must be punished. So I deserve to be punished. And the, the fear in this one is simply the fear of punishment. Yeah, fear of um, being punished. And obviously punishment can be not just physical punishment, but all sorts of subtle things as well. You know, withdrawing affection can be a punishment in some households. You know, if you, if you don't do what I want you to do, then I'm not going to speak to you, right? Um, so... Punishment can be, isn't just simply having a smack or whatever, you know. And the final box or trap was the one of shame. Okay, shame. And in a sense, this is probably the deepest <laughs> of the holes, if you think of them as being a trap and you're, you're stuck in it, then I would say shame is probably the deepest one. And the um, belief in shame is much more, um, much deeper because it actually attacks the foundational the identity of somebody. In the others, you know, you can get round it. If I do well, I'll be okay. If I'm liked, I'll be okay. If I behave well, I won't get punished. There's always hope that you can um, avoid this in these three. It's very tiring, yeah? It's not a good way to live. But with shame, there is this sense of um, I'm fundamentally, I wouldn't say bad because... I think some people do think that I'm fundamentally bad. Um, but I think it's more that idea that Rebecca came up with yesterday, that there's something wrong with me, yeah? I'm a mistake. Um, flawed, yes. I'm basically flawed. And there's no, there's no sort of um, solution, really. Which sounds, you know, it's a pretty awful place to be that. Um, so that would be, the lie is, there's something wrong with me. And if you'd really, really believe that, you do not want anybody else to know that, yeah? You don't want to be exposed. You don't want to be uncovered. You don't want that to be, so you, it's, You've got to keep it hidden. And so the fear is fear of exposure. Does that make sense, fear of exposure? It means fear of being discovered or uncovered. Um, how else can I explain that? You're probably best looking it up in the table. <laughs> yeah, fear of being seen for who you really are or you think you really are. Yeah, fear of somebody finding out that underneath all these layers, 
When they find the real you, they will see, ugh, there's something wrong with that person. What is it in German, Timon? Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like, like fear of the real you inside being yeah, uncovered, uncovered and, you know. Okay, so we, we, we are motivated by these fears. We try to, um, you know, we just try to find strategies to cope with all of that. Um, here, the strategy actually is to hide, usually, to hide with shame. But God has an answer to this. And this, the whole point, really, of this, this week, and Maggie and Sarah will be making this, you know, much clearer tomorrow and Thursday, they'll be talking a lot more about this, is that this is not who we are. These things here, yeah, we are not failures, we are not rejected, we are not um, deserving of punishment, right? And there is nothing wrong with us. That is what God says over and over and over. That is his key message, as far as I'm concerned, in the whole Bible, right? That that is not true. So what is true, okay? So this is where I have my little flashcards, as Sarah calls it, right? So the truth, which, um, if you like, explodes, or what's the word that Paul uses? When he, he says he, we can destroy lies, doesn't he? We can cast them down, right? So the truth that destroys this lie of I am a failure yeah, I am a failure, I must do well in order to succeed, is that Jesus has actually done it, right? What, at the very end of his life, Jesus said two things, I think, um, on the cross, didn't he? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which I'm sure last week John talked about. And then he said, what was the last thing he said? You can tell me in German if you like. I might even understand it. <laughs> Do you remember the very last thing Jesus said on the cross? Oh, he said three things because he said, Father, forgive them, didn't he? Is that what you were just thinking? Because they don't know what they're doing. But the very last thing he said was, it's finished. It's done. It's completed. It's, you know, everything has been settled now, right? There is nothing more to do. And so those words, really, that Jesus spoke there are the answer to, I must do, I must do, I must do, <laughs> yeah. And so I would say that the sort of the opposite to this, the answer to this is that we are at rest. We do not have to constantly keep trying hard to be the best, to do well, to be good. Um, and Jesus, well, and Paul says, um, I think it's in the book of Hebrews, that there is a rest for us. Yeah, there is a place of rest. Um, in the Old Testament, 
um, the children of Israel, um, after they left Egypt, they would travel from through the desert, obviously. And much of their time was just traveling, just walking, walking, walking. But then every so often, God would say, right, stop, right? Stop here, put up the tents. And I mean, some of the tents were massive, weren't they? The big tent that was, in English, we call it the tabernacle, but the big tent of worship was absolutely massive. So it wasn't like, let's stop here for the weekend. You know, like you might go to the campsite and you get your tent out. And if you're like us, it probably takes us a couple of hours to think, where does this pole go and where does that? Can you remember, you know? But at least in a couple, two hours, you've got the tent up and you may stay a weekend or you may stay, if the weather's really bad, you may stay one night. But the, the way, sorry, their tents were much, much bigger than that, the, the tabernacle tents. And so they would stay for a while. You know, it would be a case of, right, you've walked for, I don't know, five weeks now, nonstop just walking. And now it's time to rest. And this word that's used in the Bible for rest is the same word as used to tabernacle. In other words, you're going to put your roots down here now and have a really good rest. Does that make sense? Yeah? You can sort of relax rest. Yeah? So that's... That is one picture of rest, but there's another picture as well, because last time we had the school, somebody said to me, but does that mean that we do nothing? Does that mean we just lie and kind of all activity stops? Um, well, no, it doesn't mean that. But there is a difference between being alone and working hard, it's just you, you're working hard, you're alone doing it, you're just, you know, you're just working, 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 striving, um, and it's tiring. There's a difference between that and this other picture I'm going to give you, because, well, I'll, put, I'll just put the references here. So there's, in Deuteronomy, yeah, um, 33, sorry, I can't read this, oh, 11 to 13, yeah, um, so this is talking here, um, God is blessing the different tribes of Israel, and he blesses them by name, each one, the 12 tribes, and then he comes to Benjamin, the youngest of the um, sons, of Jacob and this is his blessing for Benjamin and I really love this it says Benjamin is loved by the Lord and lives close to him in safety yeah the Lord protects him all the time and then it's the actual words in in the Hebrew are between his shoulders so Benjamin is between his shoulders and in this particular translation, which is a modern one, it says, like a child at rest on its mother's back. So it's that picture of, you know, the mother at the time would have this big, like, sheet, 
she would wrap her child in the sheet, then she puts the child and the child would be here on the back, yeah? So that's one picture. The other picture is from Deuteronomy 1, 32. So, the, yeah, both from Deuteronomy. And I'm not sure which of the tribes he's talking to here. I think it might just be Israel. I think it might just be Israel he's talking to. But what he says is, I found you in the wilderness. You know, you were there, you were unprotected, you were um, naked, um, you were abandoned. So I found you there in the wilderness. And then... It says these words, the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way that you went. So wherever you went, the father, God the father carried you. And I'd just like to bring those two pictures um, to you because the rest is not simply, although it's a very nice image and I like this, the hammock, do you know what a hammock is? It's like a, a bed that is made of cloth with two trees and you lie back. Sarah's got lovely, lovely sort of, um, she's got a lovely hammock, but she's also got a really nice way of talking about hammocks. But it's not just the hammock where you can lie and do nothing, right? Just rest, do nothing. It's also this picture of we are moving around these pictures here of Benjamin and Israel. They are moving, they are doing things, they are walking, they are, but all the time they are at rest, either carried by the father or carried by the mother on the back. And it's that picture of being carried and held, even in the midst of activity, that, you know, is a lovely picture of the sort of rest that God wants us to have. Does that make sense? Yeah? It's a, it's, a, it's a partnership. It's being together in it. It's being um, never alone in whatever you're doing, basically. Um, right, okay, so that's performance. Approval, I must be liked in order to feel good about myself. I'm, I'm going to be rejected. Well, no, that's not what God says. There we are, that's the one. Okay, he says we are the beloved. And in fact, um, Maggie was just reading to us some of the verses, weren't you, from Psalm 103. Have you got your little book there? Because it would be really nice to... Just to read that one about in spite of your failures and whatever it is, have you? Don't you just read that out. So this is from Psalm 103. Yes, yeah. Do you want to just read that out again then? You are so kind and patient with people who fail you. So 
you know, when we fail, when we don't get it right, he doesn't disapprove of us. He does not ever disapprove. Do you understand disapprove? It means think badly of us. He doesn't think badly of us, you know. He doesn't sort of send their thing, you could do that better, you know. He's kind and he's patient. And in fact, um, <laughs> over the next few weeks, you're going to, I'm sure, be doing some... Um, some um, in-depth studying of uh, the, the, the Song of Songs, you know, the, um, the Book of Solomon, um, Sharon's favourite book. But this one, this one line from it that says this, every part of you is so beautiful, my love. This is chapter four, verse seven. Every part of you is so beautiful, my love. Perfect your beauty without flaw within. Um, I don't know what the German word for flaw is, but it really means little mistake in something, yeah? So, you know, if you're drawing a picture, you might draw a picture, oh, that bit's wrong. So you get a rubber and you go, <laughs> and you get, that's a flaw, yeah? It's a mistake, it's a not right, yeah? And, you know, God is saying to us, you have no flaws. That's how I see you. I just see you with no flaws. You are the beloved and that's all I see when I look at you. Okay, so beloved. What about the punishment? Well, I think Irving mentioned this already. I've lost one of these now. Sorry, I've just lost one. That would be... Oh, there it is, yes. <laughs> oh, no, no, they're all blank. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, it's all right. I can write it again, so it doesn't matter if I have lost it. But I know I had it definitely before. It's just... Well, no, I'll write it out again. It's fine. Um, yeah, I'll d I've got this next one, but it's the one after, after that, yeah. So, what does God say here? Well, he says that he has taken the punishment, doesn't he? He's taken the punishment. The punishment has been completely um, dealt with. I mean, Jesus has just taken everything upon himself, every bit of sin he's taken on himself. And so, that leaves us being righteous Righteous and pure and holy. And I think it's, do you remember the verse, Irving, that you quoted yesterday where it says, we are the righteousness of God? Oh, I found it. Oh, I think I've got it here, actually. It's 2 Corinthians 5.21. I'll put that down. And you know, lots of times, not just in the New Testament either, not just in those, you know, grace books of Paul, but in the Old Testament, God says, I've taken your sins away. You know, I've thrown them into the sea as far as the east is from the west. So far have your sins been taken from you. You know, he does not see our sin. He does not see it. As far as he's concerned, it's not there. Yeah. 
we're just continually, as Irving said, being washed, washed, washed in that river of love and forgiveness. And we are clean. We're just constantly clean. And that's how God, not just how God sees us, but that is actually who we are. That is what we are. Yeah. And finally, this something wrong with me, the, probably the most profound of all the lies that, um, you know, we've looked at here. God says that we are a new creation. Okay, we're a new creation. And I looked up this word new, and there are two, two words in Greek for the, for, that we translate as new. And I'll just check that I get this right. The first one is neos. I'll write that down. Okay. And neos in Greek means a new one of something that I've already got, right? So clearly, Marek, you don't need new trainers because there's fabulous trainers and they're really new. But it may be that you threw some old trainers away recently and you went to the shop and you said, right, I want a pair of new trainers. And that would be Neos trainers, yeah? You had trainers before and you've got trainers now. Those are probably much better and superior, yeah? But they are still trainers, yeah? Now, when he talks about a new creation, it's not Neos. It's not like there was a, an old one and it wasn't so good, so God's made a new one of the same type of that. The word that he uses here in new creation is another Greek word, kainos. Okay. And kainos means this is something that's never existed before. It's unique and original. It's one of a new kind of thing, okay? Um, so, it's, this has never been seen before, it's never existed before, right? It's, it's completely and utterly unique, individual, and new in the sense of um, original, yes? So that's the kind of creation that he makes us to be, something completely original, new, and not of any kind of old order that's gone, right? This new thing that is, yeah, that God's created is, yeah, is a, of a different kind, of different kind altogether. Um, and so there's a sense of everything old and the past having gone and something completely new taking its place, completely original. And you know when, I've been a Christian for quite a long time, I've probably been a Christian for about 45 years, maybe longer than that actually, yes, about 50 years maybe. Um, and for a long, long, long time, I thought that when God looked at me, 
he loved me, yeah? I've always believed that, that God loves me because he is love, yeah? Um, but I thought he looked at me through kind of the eyes of, well, ooh, sometimes she really does make big mistakes. Sometimes she's not so good. But because I'm love, I have to love her, yeah? I have to love her because I'm love. And so it was almost like God didn't have any choice in loving me, but more that he tolerated me. Does that make sense? To tolerate somebody, to, yeah. Um, and that was the sort of idea I had of God. But, you know, um, I think it's in Ephesians. I might have written it down again. Right, yeah, Ephesians 2.10 down as well. So Ephesians 2.10 says that I am his, now the Greek word is poema, which we get the word poem from, you know, poetry, but it actually means his work of art, yeah, or his We've got another word for a very, very um, beautiful work of art, which is masterpiece. Have you got that word, masterpiece? Like it's, it's exceptionally good, you know? It's like Leonardo da Vinci compared to somebody who might just put a picture in the local art gallery, yeah? So the, the, the masterpiece. And he says here in Ephesians 2.10 that we are you, we are his masterpiece. Um, and, you know, I thought, yes, I used to think that I was that picture that my granddaughter might draw, you know, with sort of strange kind of uh, arms and, and uh, you know, funny legs and, and look at me and think, oh, you know, she's all right, but <laughs> all right, she's okay. But no, he looks at me and he says, perfect, beautiful, masterpiece, yeah? Come and look at this one. And that's how I feel. You know, he sees us. Come and look at this one. Come and look at that one there. Wow. <laughs> She's amazing, right? She's my Mona Lisa, you know, or whatever you want to say. But I just... <laughs> I think so, <laughs> Well, no, she's actually a bit miserable, isn't she, Mona Lisa? A bit sad looking, yes, yeah. A Rubens, yeah, that's what she's... <laughs> All right, enough from this side of the room. Uh, but, you know, it's that delight, that sense of delight that God has. Look at my children. Just look at, look at these. And I know that often we think, you know, Irving said yesterday, we don't feel like that. But actually, it, what, where are we going to live? Are we going to live in what we feel like? I'm a failure. Oh, you know, I'm going to be rejected. I really should, I've done things wrong, I should be punished, or oh, I just, I'm just not, you know, there's something wrong with me. Are we going to live in what we feel, or are we going to live in the truth of what God says here, yeah? And that is a challenge, really, I think, for us all, but I suppose particular for you, as you start now the, uh, these five months, well, four and a half probably now, of um, of school because 
because it's your choice, really. It's your choice, you know. You can, you can choose to live here or here. And I suppose it's, it's kind of being willing to believe, yes, this is true. Whatever I feel, this is true, right, rather than that. Okay, so it's basically. There was one more thing I wanted to say as well, because, you know, this one here especially, I think is, is really a difficult place for people to, to come out of in a way. Um, but, and you know, the desire to hide away, the desire to, um, you know, the fear of being exposed is, is, a, is a very deep one. Um, but you know, what God showed me, and Maggie's got a lovely illustration of this, which she's going to sh show you um, one of these days, next two days, you know, I don't have to hide away anymore. So that means, oh gosh, I've got to show you all what I am. But in a way, but I am hidden. I don't have to hide what I think I am, but I am hidden because I know I'm hidden in Jesus. I'm hidden in him, I'm in him. And he surrounds me and he protects me and he, um, cares for me and so I don't have to fear this exposure anymore because I'm hidden in him yeah he's there surrounding me and that's a safe safe place to be thank you for listening to the Destiny podcast for further information check out www.idestiny.org.uk